Welcome everyone. Thank you for being here. I guess we should start the session today. So welcome to the LSE. Welcome to the LSE festival. Um, today's session is uh, Boards and Walls. We're going to watch two documentaries about um, Chinese borders and the borders with China and Vietnam. This is part of an ongoing effort at LSE to investigate how the social sciences can tackle global issues. The the title of the LSE Festival is Global Disorders, and as you know, uh, one of the um, most contemporary uh, ongoing um, crises is one of migration, multiple migrations. Uh, Borders speaks to, and Walls speaks directly to these issues, and we are going to investigate these issues through the vantage point of Asia, which is hardly the first immediate things that come to mind when speaking about migration from um, Europe, or at least we are in Europe until Few da- I guess a few days, again a month perhaps. Um, I am Andrea Pia, Dr. Andrea Pia. I'm an anthropologist of China. I am assistant professor at the um, anthropology department at the London School of Economics. I'm here. And uh, today's speakers are um, Dr. Elena Barbansteva, if I pronounced it correctly, I don't know. She's a senior lecturer at the University of Manchester and is uh, an expert of China, borders and migration. Her first film, British Born Chinese, um, published in 2015, explored the experience of two ethnic Chinese boys growing up in North England. The second speaker and authors of these movies is is, uh, William Callaghan, Bill Callaghan. He's a professor of international relations in the Department of International Relations at the LSE. His Toilet Adventures films, great title, published in 2015, (laughs) were shortlisted for a major research prize by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. And finally, as a moderator discussant today, we have Xiao Lu Guo, who is an award-winning novelist and filmmaker and a fellow of Columbia University. She's also the Man Brooker Prize judge, one of the Man Brooker Prize judge. Her most recent film is Five Men and Caravaggio, um, which premiered at the London Film Festival um, in 2018. So... Um, as I, my role as a chair today, I don't, wa- I don't really want to waste any of your time, and I really want to start uh, with the movies, if we can, and reserve uh, the rest of the time. So it's going to take uh, around 30 minutes, 40 minutes to watch both movies, and reserve the rest of the time for a long Q&A session, where we can explore more of the issue investigated by the, by the movie afterwards. Um, I have a few communication to give you, as, you know, this is an event within the LSE Festival, so if you want to tweet about it, you please use the hashtag New World Disorders uh, or the hashtag LSE Festival. I also have to recommend you uh, to switch your phone to flight mode to put it away and to try to, you know, um, follow the movies, you know, with attentiveness as much as possible. Um, thank you for being here and I guess we can start with the movies. Thank you for watching. Um, to begin the Q&A session, I wonder whether and related thoughts on, on the two movies and, and just simply to kick off with the discussion. Thanks for two wonderful short films. Um, it's always strange and wonderful for a native Chinese filmmaker to watch films about China from non-Chinese. This is a very nationalistic way of speaking, I realize, but, but I think it's amazing some subjects um, somehow we Chinese filmmaker always kind of ignored or overlooked in such a great way. Um, I think it, 
you know, I think it would be very interesting how, I mean, what kind of subject the native Chinese filmmakers are really interested in, but not interested, you know. So thanks for both of you pick up two massive topic, uh, historical and current, um, discussing your own way, um, very different films. Um, I think maybe my first question is maybe more generic to both for you. Um, so what has changed for, let's say, a short period of the human history, only 2,000 years, let's say, from, from Great War? Um, since the Great War of China and then the, the, the recent those wars um, divided by the ideology. Um, but the one war you didn't mention between North Korea and South Korea, because there's no f physical war, there's only the, the map on the, 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 the abstract map, the, the three eight line. Um, what has changed with the idea of the war, but what, what, what has not changed for so many years, the border and the wars? Well, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> thank you so much for coming. We're really honored to have you here. Um, that is a great question. What has changed? I guess what I'm curious about is what hasn't changed, is how walls just keep reappearing and how the mainstream and even academic discourse about walls is informed by the Berlin Wall that most people agree is bad. It was, an, you know, it, was an, it was kind of literally an ideological wall. And then people were surprised that people started building walls quite soon after. But for me, I'm not surprised. I think it's just something that people do. They build walls, they make distinctions, they, they, they kind of make borders and then cross borders like we saw in Elena's film. Um, so that, I guess that's where I'm coming at it from a different perspective from other people. I don't actually assume that walls are bad or that they're good. I just want to see how people experience them. Mm. Um, and that's why I, I really was excited that I could get permission to use that last film clip from Tsai Guoqiang's art project, because mm -hmm. that is just, it's such a weird thing. Yep. It's just, yep. it's like everything all at once. I can, you know, that's a film. His, his little film is actually my film. I don't know why I needed to make it, because he already made it. But it's just sort of this weird, creative destruction, wonder and horror. You can read in uh, either way with Tsai Guoqiang's fireworks. Um, could be, you know, it could be used by propaganda too. Um, because the meaning is ambiguous in a way. Um, because fireworks originally should be treated as kind of celebration of festival, celebration of some ideas. So it could be destruction too. But in Elena, in your film, I think that's also another way of look at the, the human, the personal experience, the personal history can go way beyond the physical border between the, the, the Vietnamese girl and the Chinese man. And do you, do you see that? How do you discover... Um, the nature of that border after you made this film, and also the point in the end of the film when you had this section about the new development, mm -hmm. the, 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 what's, the, what's the town's name called? Aidian. Aidian become the center for the international yeah, shipment. Yeah, uh, thank you, Salo. And uh, also the uh, war experience is also very relevant to that border because people um, who feature in the film, the Yao people, they had um, 
kind of intimate uh, experiences of the border war with Vietnam in 1979. So they lived uh, through the conflict. But uh, and at that time, the border was unmarked. For they, they knew that the, border, uh, the war was going on and the, border, uh, the war was about the border between the two states, but uh, they, for them it was their native land. The border uh, which mm. uh, uh, they inhabited. Mm. So, so they, they walk up home every day through those border lines. Yeah, and yeah. they were largely uh, kind of the still the relations, the connections between the people in Vietnam and China continued. The marriages uh, were uh, taking place, so the community still um, continued living uh, kind of their normal life. Uh, well, it was interrupted, of course, by the fighting and by bombing, but uh, uh, the way they saw it as not their war. It was the war between China and Vietnam, but they lived uh, with their kind of their own community um, uh, life. But when China started developing uh, the borderlands, mm -hmm. when the reform spirit started in the late 70s, uh, it had a very different um, impact on the area, on the people. Now there were new development projects, road building, border building, um, new towns emerged. So IDN is a post-reform uh, period uh, mm. uh, urban area. Because it's such a contradiction, the government tried to promote the whole ritual of of the minority, um, the, the the dress, the festivity, the, mm -hmm. the whole activities. That's as if returning to the ancient past. They have their own tradition. On the other hand, there is massive commercial development, which is going to destroy the, the the those yeah tradition, the heritage um, the minority would have. Um, so it's very ambiguous. Um, you know, the future of the place. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think I wouldn't say, you know, I felt negative in the kind of outcome of, of the whole global development. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, well, um, it is, there is a lot of um, contradictory developments happening there. So there is migration, this development. Um, there are, you know, these uh, layers of tradition and modernity. So continued, uh, continuous patriarchy and these uh, ethnic ties which uh, women like Meihua want to break away from. So they don't want to stay in the community. They want to move to the cities. They want to find work, but there are limitations because they can't because mm -hmm. of their... Um, illegal status in China, but at the same time, uh, the state wants to maintain ethnic culture. Mm. Uh, they want to preserve their um, ethnic diversity at what expense? At the expense of um, kind of rights of women like uh, Meihua. Mm. So they don't recognize them as legal, legitimate uh, Kind of subjects or citizens of China, but they're happy to use their culture, you know, their mm. dress, mm. their traditions, their um, embroidery as a uh, kind of marker of uh, Chinese ethnic um, mm. uh, diversity in culture, and that's uh, it's problematic. Mm. Mm. Andrea, please, yeah, kick in whenever you have some yeah, no, good uh, expert yeah. idea to <laughs> help me. Thank you, mm. um, I really like if I can exploit the privilege of a chair and then I will open up to the audience so I'll just ask one more question. Um, I really like the way in which the documentaries uh, kind of spoke to one another by addressing mm. 
the notion of hard and soft borders from different perspectives. So the, so the soft borders in Elena's documentaries are now, you know, everyday citizen or the, you know, un underprivileged um, minorities can exploit the soft border to escape conditions of, of uh, economic conditions that might not be enable them to pursue particular life projects and may become pathway to prosperity. Mm. Um, in, whereas in, in bills, hard borders are kind of mobilized by elite actors. So there are something that really are used and exploited by elite actor, actors um, as a way of, you know, uh, as kind of bridge in a way, as a way of, of um, producing particular vision of cooperation amongst, um, amongst different nations or as testaments of ideology they do not represent themselves anymore. Mm. So I wonder whether we could like flip these, you know, these, these relationship that goes on in your documentaries by, and by asking you the question, how do you think that the Great War um, can you know, come across to people that may experience it from the point of view of their own um, um, limited economic conditions, for instance? Mm. How is the mm. Great War actually preventing mm. or potentially stopping people to um, inhabit the landscape in particular ways, for instance? and how soft borders on the other end may be detrimental to particular um, class and elite projects of uh, nationalism, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a typical yeah, anthropological question, maybe <laughs> yeah. puzzling, but I was, I, was really kind of, I was really kind of inspired mm -hmm. by having the documentaries being you know, put together. Elena. Um, soft, so they might be, appear as soft and even invisible, uh, in my case, but they're very present. I would say they're very hard. They are. Mm. Um, they are not built. They are not made of concrete. They are not walls. They are not barriers. <coughs> but they are documentary borders. They are mm. um, uh, paper borders. And mm. uh, so, uh, while uh, for kind of my character, for Mekwai and the people I've been working with, crossing this border is. Meaningless in the sense that they don't feel that they cross to a different culture, to a different language, to a different way of life. It's Even the same. though she might actually yeah. have, share all these cultural differences. <coughs> but the government Doesn't wouldn't let her become Chinese, yeah? So that's your, your next book subject, or next film subject. So she cannot become Chinese by marriage. There's no other way for non-Chinese to become Chinese. Yeah, so she, yeah, she, right. can't, uh, she can't become a legitimate. Right. Yes. It's uh, incredible, yeah. Not a soft border for me. It's a very but it's a very hard paper border of citizenship, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like how the films speak to each other. I should say that Elena's family is in my film. That one of the her, her very young daughter at that point. That was ten years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, you were originally in the film too, but my editor made me cut her out, sadly. <laughs> too much. So that's what you can do. Um, so hard borders going soft. Mm. Um, earlier versions of the film, which you both saw actually, mm. had a 30-second um, commercial ad, advert, for Tecate beer, which is a Mexican beer, and it was making fun of Trump. And they were talking about a wall, a great wall. We're going to build a great wall. And they called it the Tecate Beer Wall. 
which was this high, you know, two or three feet high, and that people were drinking beer, Tecate beer, at that wall, and it was Mexicans and Americans coming together, right. men, kind of hanging out and doing fist bumps <coughs> and all that. And that's what I found, I guess that's what I find curious about this, that on the one hand, of course, it's a huge, huge political and economic issue of people of color and people who are poor being excluded from various places, whether it's Europe or the United mm -hmm. States or, or other places. Um, and that's a big issue. And I tried to sort of film that at the, at the U.S.-Mexico barrier um, in San Diego, which some of the clips came in, but those were all illegal. It's against the law to film people for their own privacy, actually. Right. But that, it's still called International Friendship Park, even though there's a huge wall there. And it's, again, it's a place where people, it's open on weekends, and anybody can go there, and the Border Patrol Police will not arrest you. They won't, they won't sort of card you. So it's a place where Mexicans can come and, and talk to each other through the wall, but the, through a mesh that's only this big. So on the one hand, it's really happy, because people go there and see their friends and relatives because they're illegal immigrants in the U.S. and they can't go to Mexico to see them and their Mexican relatives, for whatever reason, can't go. Anyway, so it's, it's happy, but it's tragic and sad. So again, it's this very sublime experience mm -hmm. of horror and wonder, of happiness and sadness all entangled and mixed mm -hmm. together. Um, I don't know if it came across, but that's the sort of thing that I think is sort of missing from a lot of discussions of walls. Um, Certainly, I think the Berlin Wall discussion has not been, I think, accurately um, represented in Chinese major media because it's very, it's almost dangerous subject if we open up the, the conversation about what, what that meant, the fall of the, fall right. of the Berlin Wall, yeah, to the Chinese major media. Uh, another thing, I was thinking about as, as, as an anthropologist, as, as a political scientist, how do you think about the nostalgia of the past, which defined by the walls. For example, in Berlin, you, everywhere you walk around these days, the four of these uh, former GDR uh, museums, which are full of people, and then they made those, uh, the former GDR museum look like a really family funfair place. You can go in the socialist time of this oven open, the kids can play in the kitchen, which made it all very attractive, like, you know, kind of Disney version of the socialist um, housing. Um, but also the, the nostalgia of great wars has been just, uh, you know, the, the narrative, the literature of our time. So how do you see that or could we have more sober analysis about the human emotion towards war, mm. the old wars especially? Yeah, the, the wall in, in Berlin is, is fascinating because they, there's really, so you go to the Berlin Wall Museum, they have a museum now as well as the Open Air Museum, and it's all, the wall is bad. It's not just dangerous uh, and politically bad, but it's morally bad. And there actually was another story about how the Berlin Wall was built to protect socialists. Yeah, uh, but if you, if you interview the old ladies along the Karl-Marx-Strasse uh, in mm. East Berlin, the, those old ladies are going to tell you they, were, they had a much better life before. You that, know? Yeah, that's what so, I'm saying. That there's this, and, and of course, with all the crises since 2008, there's, there's this notion that capitalism doesn't work or doesn't work for most people. 
And this, it's very easy to go back to some idealized version mm -hmm. of China or an idealized mm -hmm. version of Eastern Europe. And, but I'm surprised that the kind of the wall, the wall museum itself is just so single-minded. I mean, not that I, I mean, I'm not really sympathetic to the socialist experiment in East Germany myself, but it's just, it's interesting that it's not, there's not even a little space for it in those museums, unless I missed it. Um. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have a very different experience, actually, okay. in those museums. Um, I found no, I didn't, I didn't go to the sort of right. social history museums right. of the uh, uh, GDR. Mm -hmm. um, Alina, do you want to comment on that? Well, it's not of kind of... Um, it's the question of nostalgia is perhaps not as relevant for my project, but what's relevant is this kind of idea of musification mm. and of, you know, the rather than doing um, something for living cultures of ethnic minorities, let's put them in the museums, you know, and uh, um, so, and what's happening in that part of China, many people move away, uh, women go to the cities, and they don't want to keep the uh, traditions going, so um, the response of the Chinese state is let's put the, their traditions as objects in the museums. So, and then we uh, will keep celebrating their culture, but not in, uh, as living culture, but as objects. Mm -hmm. So and now uh, Vietnam, so women and men and uh, Yao priests uh, have to come from Vietnam um, to f fill in the gap for um, kind of dying uh, Yao culture. The missing Chinese role, side, yeah. yeah. The, the, mm. Mm. And what about, for example, um, John Berger wrote A Seventh Man in the early 70s. Mm. And in his book, he was saying one out of seventh men in Europe are, were migrants. They were, you know, so one, but that's in the early 70s. Already they have that, that statistics now. Be one, I don't know what's the what's number one here, you know, one out of two, uh, we are immigrants. So, so regardless, all the borders. All of us are immigrants. All of us. All of us. Amazing, amazing, great. <coughs> so how did we made here? I mean, with all the borders, pass, passport controls, as we said before, passport was only invented in the 19th century. Before that, we didn't need a paper to travel around the world. We might need some little letters from some, um, some local community. So with all this restriction in the last 100 years, the mass migration is so strong, or, or the most, his most kind of powerful human um, movement happened throughout all these years. Um, so what's this contrast? I mean, the, the, can we explain this? Uh, wealth and poverty. And do you think how the globalization, uh, what, what, you know, what does it mean really this word globalization in terms of our human migration movement from different continents to the other? Well, that's a big question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm here to, to get some yeah, lessons, historical I mean, lessons. So we... Okay. Should we open up to I the guess we can audience? Open Maybe the audience, the audience can answer here. your question. Maybe the audience. <laughs> some smart PhD <laughs> students here. A brilliant mind that can answer the question for us all. Is there anyone in the audience who wants to ask the first question at all? <coughs> the gentleman over there, yeah. please. Yes, thank you for the most interesting 
experience on both films. Um, what I found interesting was the fact that they both talked about friendship gates as opposed to borders with people playing handball against the Mexican wall, I think it was. The other issues there is the other bits of anguish, fear, anxiety, and loathing in terms of the Berlin Wall and ideology. And on the other side, you have the symbolism of the Great Wall of China, which is historical as well as political. What is your take, uh, what does the, those in the front line think of Nixon first, as the first president of the US going to the China and visiting the wall, call it ideological, and on the other hand, the locals seeing it as military architecture? Thank you. Do you want to gather more than one question, or? I, well, if or how, do you, that, how do you like to do it? I would like to do it one, I mean, answering the question right away, if that's possible. It sure. seems to be a, you know, a kind of wide-spanning one. Big so, question. I, mean, yes. <laughs> I was hoping to get a little more time. <laughs> um, that's, that's really interesting. I guess that's why you're looking at, that's why Elena was kind of nudging me during um, her film and my film is that you go to the Friendship Gate and I go to the International Friendship Park in San Diego, Tijuana, and I never thought of that before, how these, these gates and walls are rebranded as friendship. Um, and so that's, I guess, what I find curious about it. And um, I guess that's my general argument is that we should stop thinking about walls just as barriers that separate people and start to think of them as gates and gateways, like you saw between Vietnam and China. And it's, it's just a question of uh, who gets in, who can pass through it, and when they can pass through it, and why. Um, and as for Nixon going to the Great Wall, one of, the, one of the fun things about making this film is that I've heard all the quotes about Nixon saying, it's a Great Wall, it really is which is a silly quote, you know, and people make fun of him for saying it. And I've heard, Nixon, I heard uh, Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, and, and Kennedy saying, ich bin ein Berliner. But it was just fascinating to actually go and get the original film and see how it was all done and how, once I kind of see it in this context where you can feel it, it's... It's much more, it's just much more interesting to me. So, um, whereas I, I am very critical of Nixon on lots of things, I think it's great. It's, he did a great thing by going to the Great Wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had his good line, this, but this wall cannot div divide, uh, divide people. So I thought, well, thank God he had that line. Yes. Elena, do you have anything to say to this question? Well, about the friendship gate. So, for, mm -hmm. um, so there is a gate on the China-Vietnam China border, and it's a friendship gate between the Chinese people and the Vietnamese people. What it doesn't recognize that for mm. some people living across the borders, it's absolutely relevant because they don't see the separation applying to them. And right. there are so um, China is often perceived as a kind of monolithic, and we were talking about it, monolithic um, nation-state. Uh, but there are more than 27 groups living across um, the borders, 
not only with Vietnam, with Laos, Burma, and so forth, and uh, um, how these borders, whether they have friendship gates or not, how they affect these communities which need uh, uh, their uh, kinship ties, friendships, relatives, they need going to marketplaces, kind of for their, uh, to continue that culture uh, mm. going, how they affect uh, uh, their culture, their everyday life is not often um, talked about and not recognized by, um, by the states. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. I think if I can say something about this, if you, again, by, you know, just opposing the two documentaries today, one thing that comes to mind in relation to this question is that, yes, of course, walls can be gates, but it's really also important to recognize the, you know, the effect that gates have on the temporalities of these flows, right? The porous borders allow people to move, mm -hmm. you know, single-endedly and to manage their relationship across borders as they please. But then, but then walls and gates are actually slowing this process. If mm. one think of Palestine and Israel, how the erection of walls is, is preventing people to actually go on with their daily life. And now all these flows have to go underground with, with you know, the, this being, you know, a few years ago, if people watching and who knows about the situation where all the traffic that used to happen overground between, uh, I'm talking about commercial traffic mm -hmm. between Palestine and Israel, had to happen illegally underground by people and Hamas uh, drilling tunnels that would cross mm. these, these walls. So, yes, enable of, of communication, but how is this disruptive to ordinary flows? That is also important to consider, mm -hmm. right? Another thing I was thinking, uh, I was going to ask you um, about when, you know, the, the technical historical question, when the idea of nationality has been produced. Because if we say the passport only exists from 19th century, which means you don't have to define which nationality you, you were in the old days, you can be <coughs> both Vietnamese or Chinese, even though both neither of the country allow you to have two passports. So, is it, so the nationality is a modern invention, come with, with passport? In China? Well, in, oh, the, in the world. Because, oh. for example, people live on the borderline, Mexico, or people even in Texas, for example, mm -hmm. uh, they had to choose. But what, what happened before 19th century? Could, could there be any, and the idea of nation state when you would be more expert than me, when this been completely established and become the fact of the citizens' rights? Yeah. The treaties of Espana. That, is, that is a huge question. Um, Again. I would say that up until recently, it's been very hard for anyone except for the elite to, to move, mm. move out of their village, move out of their county, mm. let alone move out of their country. So we didn't need to have passports because nobody was moving, or they were moving on ships, and they would just. So they within wouldn't stay. Europe, there was a tradition. Nineteenth century, I guess, is is when the sort of nation state and nationalism as a legal and a social category really gelled. I mean, it was going on beforehand. Some people say the Song Dynasty in China is where nationalism comes from. You know the. <laughs> 12th century, 13th century. There's a big proto-national Song Dynasty. China, everything started in China. This I'm, sure, I'm sure China is one of the first ones because we have this uh, registration, housing, household yeah. registration system, thousands, thousands of years. You can't even move out from your village in the old days. Um, and in Fukuyama's book, the, the, the origin of the, the, the administration, bureaucracy, the whole system was born in East Asia. But I think the, the Central Europe was all, always has been open till recent, say before the First World War, 
So this is quite interesting topic, maybe for another time.、Mm-hmm. Another question from the public. Yeah. Lady of the. Yeah, they too. And the other one here. Um, so first of all, thank you for both、uh, short films. Were really interesting.、Um, I don't know if mine is a question or more a reflection, but of course I would love to have your insight about it.、Um, it's something that、um, came to my mind because of something the doctor Barbarantseva said about the musicalization of、um, this culture, and this is because.、Um, so sorry, I make a little parenthesis here. I'm working on、uh, the relationship between tourism and migration into islands in Lesbos in Greece and Lampedusa in Italy,、um, and so my question, my kind of、uh, reasoning here is.、Um, How does since like this topic came up, I think in a lot of what you said,、um, for example, with the museums or musealization, so and the freedom of movement, the elite that can only move and so on.、Um, so my reflection is about the fact that how tourism nowadays has a role, and in, in these countries, in particular in border countries, how、um, you know, kind of. There is a connection between the musealization of something. In this case, it came to my mind because, for example, in Lampedusa,、um, there has been built and、uh, made a museum about migration, and still people cannot, you know, come across that border to to come to Europe and so on. So I don't know if sorry if I'm jumping one place、mm-hmm. to the other. I hope it's clear. But my my question is more about the reflection between this nexus. If you see some and. Yeah, <laughs> so I think I think. Would you mind、it. if I take a, a second question? I saw a hand here, please,、um, and then we can address them all together. Person over here. <clears throat> yeah, just echo the thanks for the films. They were both really interesting,、um, and kind of、um, building off what was already discussed a little bit. I think、um, I want to hear a bit more on your thoughts on like the distinction between borders and walls, because、um, talking about the idea of like a hard or soft、uh, wall,、um, in a way, with these like modern nation states that we live in, there is always a kind of barrier, as you say, like a document, like document. Uh, wall of sorts,、um, but I think there's a distinction to be made between that kind of barrier, which is like a paper barrier, and the、um, finality or、um, concreteness, perhaps, of of an actual physical wall, and that idea of access. That even though um, um, Mei Hua in, in your film. Was not able. She's not able to take that next step of becoming an official citizen of China. She is still able to gain access, and I just think I don't know. There's something there that、um, makes Trump's kind of wall、uh, different, like distinct.、Um, and just yeah, your thoughts on that in particular. Thank you. <coughs> Shall I?、Uh, yeah, thank you yeah, for your、sure. question. Thank you very much. Um, um, Just to repeat, the question was about、uh, how does tourism play into、um, this process of musification of、um, cultures and ethnic diversity? Can speak for China, and there it plays a huge role.、Um, it affects communities, it affects ethnic minorities, it affects you know、uh, people where in the area where I work and、um, in many many other. Other areas, and what happens is that people 
realize that you know they don't want to uh, continue with their traditional practices you know farming living like peasants fishing and uh, because now there is a new um, <clears throat> there is a new opportunity to earn easier money by dressing up like um, an ethnic minority and uh, it plays into the state. It's a state project, part of modernization, part of development, and uh, that's what's happening in IDN, where I did research in, everywhere in China, I would say. Um, the effects of it are ongoing, how they're going to impact uh, people on the ground, um, the state as a whole is difficult to say, but uh, there, there are a lot of problems there, um, environmental problems, uh, cultural survival, and so forth, and that uh, now um, um, you go to these artificial villages in Yunnan and Guangxi just to get an idea of what, what an ethnic minority uh, looks like, how they live, although they don't live like that, they just they put in a performance for the pleasure and consumption of tourists. Most of them are, well, Chinese, but also uh, foreign tourists. Um, so, I, yeah, there are parallels probably with uh, um, Italy, Greece, and uh, many um, other countries in the world. And uh, I would say, yeah, so tourism is another way of kind of musification and object objectification of um, um, cultural difference. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Thank you both for your questions. Um, that, that's fascinating. Just made me think. It made me think back to how in the film, Angela Merkel, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, is talk, she's at NATO headquarters in Brussels speaking with all of her NATO allies. That's why um, Trump is there as well, looking uncomfortable. Um, and so she is, you know, of course, a very thoughtful person. And she was saying, if we work hard, we can, we can tear down, kind of get rid of walls. But she doesn't stop there. Mm -hmm. She says, get rid of walls and make them a place of remembrance, mm -hmm. or something to that mm -hmm. effect. And so that's, that's what she wants. She doesn't want to forget walls. She wants to remember them as, mm -hmm. as political sites, in her view of bad, bad political sites, as a, as a division. And in, and of course, what they did is they took a section of the Berlin Wall and they planted it in NATO headquarters in Brussels. And that's what we're looking at. And it just what made me think is, of course, they've done that everywhere. There's slices of the Berlin Wall all around the world. So it's like Germany is exporting the Berlin Wall. Um, but not as a wall. And it also, it, even stranger, something that I... Another thing that I had to cut, sadly, from the film is in the 1980s, a German company, a West German company, was using some technology to help China rebuild a section of the Great Wall, Mu um, Great Wall. And I'm thinking, what the heck? <laughs> they're against the Berlin Wall, but they're helping to rebuild the Great Wall in China. You know, as a tourist, you know. So again, it's just it's everything is tangled up and and strange. This is not to belittle the political problems and oppression produced by these walls. I do, that's always the risk of a film like mine is because I'm not mm. kind of underlying that every time. Some people think that I'm somehow pro-wall or something. 
Um, but I guess that's what I was trying. I don't, I'm not quite sure how successful it was. I was trying to say, yes, I don't like this wall, but what else is going on? Mm-hmm. There was another question about the difference between walls. About mm-hmm. paper barriers and concrete barriers. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Elena, do you want to address it? Um, well, it's the question of terminology, so language, walls. So uh, we're talking about paper walls and concrete walls. And um, so for me, so this physical wall for the people I'm talking about is irrelevant. They don't even go through the friendship gate. Uh, usually they take the mountain, a small pathway across the mountain. Uh, we would only go through the gate wall if there are foreigners like us. Um, but it's not to say that the significance of this invisible wall is um, irrelevant. It's, it's very present in their daily life, and they, particularly for women. And um, so the, for women, for various reasons, because of how the gender disbalance working in China, because uh, how women are supposed to continue with the reproduction of national culture, of the uh, family and so forth. So for them, uh, I think the, uh, these invisible uh, walls are much more significant than for men. Um, um, yeah, that would be my take on that question. So, um, I think we might have time for you know, sneaking in the very last question um, before our time's up. If we go to 6.30, don't we? Or oh, we, we go go to, to, do we go to 6.30 or 6? At 6, so that's why. Okay. <laughs> ah, there's so few we questions, have, more we questions. Many, so Who's let's try to... I ask the audience please to be short so we can take them all. Uh, yeah. The gentleman over here and then oh, well, the lady mindset. over there. That was right the first time. Yeah. Hello. Uh, That's six. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not uh, Thank you both for two very thought-provoking films. Uh, my question is really for Professor Callahan about your film about uh, primarily about the Great Wall. You say you're fundamentally not sort of pro-wall. You're just sort of interested in what's going on around the wall. But isn't it simply the case that the Great Wall is 2,000 years old and it's really just a tourist attraction now? And um, in the same way that the sort of the Tower of London was a place <laughs> built for great repression and terrible things happened there and torture and um, executions. But now we go and look at it and enjoy it and thousands of tourists come and see it. Um, but really, fundamentally, walls are a bad thing because they're very divisive. They keep out, they seg- segregate communities, um, uh, keep out poor people and unwanted people and all the rest of it. And... I just would ask you, can you, can you give an example of a place in the world today where a wall is being built that is a good thing, that is a positive thing, that it's a positive place where you know, people meet and enjoy, you know, enjoy the experience? Because I would sort of dispute that. I think it's only after time, after hundreds of years. I mean, maybe not hundreds. I mean, the Berlin Wall is a tourist attraction now as well, but it's, it's also a memory of where bad things happened, and mm-hmm. people want to be reminded of that. Thank you. The lady at the back. I think it's interesting that you brought a view earlier about the elite and globalism, and I think we didn't really talk about it so much, but 
I would be curious. The fact is borders and walls have always existed, and I think it's interesting that we talk about it so much now in the last, you know, dec couple of decades or, or in the recent years. And I wonder how much of that is just actually reflection of an invisible wall, per se, between people who can actually just go travel anywhere and can afford to kind of live a borderless lives as opposed to people who are in some ways confined to maybe the opportunities and choices that they didn't necessarily had to make or could make. And therefore, um, you know, I wonder in some ways the way the reasons we're discussing borders and walls and why Trump gets as much attraction as he does is just because, you know, people who are in the second brackets are trying to kind of get a control or sense of of, of the walls that kind of defined them or their culture, et cetera, and therefore are trying to sort of um, enforce it in a more physical ways, if that makes sense. So it would just be curious to hear your thoughts on that. I, I don't think there is time to take the third question that I'm sorry there was a question here, but mm -hmm. I know, but I don't, do we Can have I? actually time? Yeah, well. Is it a, yeah. a very quick one. Could you? So I'm sorry, can you maybe after. You can talk maybe to us after. Afterwards. Maybe after. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. Sure. No. Thanks for your question. Uh, that's the sort of question that I expect <coughs> to get. I'm not going to be drawn into it, kind of comparing which wall is good or bad. I would just say that um, is Jeremy Corbyn criticizing Venezuela now for for kind of building a wall for aid to come in? Um, no, he's not. So it's all about your political view. And people who say we should get rid of all walls, as, as an academic and as, some, as a sometime theorist, I say, OK, where do we go with that? Um, if we have no walls, no distinctions, we're not, we can't have a building. You can't have a community without a wall. The first thing a community does, a human community does, is build a wall around it. And you can argue about where it can be where the distinction is and where it should be and who can come and go and you can have that more open or more closed but as I think as a human being that's what we do we make distinctions and our job is not to stop making distinctions because then we can't think or communicate but it's about being ethical and um, defending why we make certain distinctions in certain ways and I think that goes from kind of whether we're seeing something, you know, whether we're making a distinction um, in terms of ideas or we're making a distinction by, by building a wall. I think it's, it's all part of the same continuum. Um, I know that a lot of people won't agree with that, but I just thought I'd put it out there. I missed I'll let you. <laughs> Could you please uh, repeat it? I completely <laughs> switched to, uh, yeah. Uh, if, if you, if you. Mm. I guess my view is that borders and walls have always existed, yeah. and now we obviously talk about so much more than we did before, and I wonder why why that's the case. And and at least my hypothesis is, is that actually there's a greater wall or invisible wall, as you call it, between and people who can just travel without borders mm -hmm. and work have time opportunities anywhere in the world, whereas it's not, and that's kind of mm -hmm. isolated the area. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's somewhat, I think it's related to um, earlier comments. So, yeah, we, 
they always existed. We talk about them more because of what's happening in the world, but it's not to say that, well, uh, 30, 40 years ago we're also talking about the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, the collapse of the Berlin Wall and the walls coming down. So at that time uh, there was this um, hype uh, talk about let's bring all the walls down, the world will come together and we'll be living all in a global community of um, happy people. But then it didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, the 90s we have uh, growing um, occurrence of uh, new ethnic clashes, wars, and new kind of wars, new states emerging. So um, I don't think it's a very uh, new discourse on wars. It, it's not since um, Trump came into power. It's, it's been happening um, for at least 30, 40 years, but um, um, it's kind of it's, it reflects how globalization is happening. So on the one hand, we are better connected. There is more communication uh, happening, but uh, there are more walls emerging at the same time. Walls or barriers or sorts of restrictions. So um, more restrictions to migration, more um, paperwork, more biometric borders. So um, kind of the two uh, processes are happening. Happening. Um, at the same time and overlapping. Uh, yeah, that would be my uh, take on it. I hope, does it answer? No. <laughs> well, well, this is why we make the films, is because mm. we're trying to kind of make sense of these distinctions, these borders and walls for ourselves. Um, uh, for me, anyway, I'm not sure I have an answer to the question, mm. but I'm just trying to raise it and maybe uh, shake it up a little. So, Taigo, you have this great uh, Taiguochang fireworks in the end to yeah. explain all abstractly, metaphorically. Yeah. I, 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 I do believe that our time is up. Uh, okay. Can I ask the audience to please join me in thanking the.